It's dinner time with family, and you settle in to dine. Your son is watching something, but you think it must be fine. You know it's only kid shows, so you have some peace of mind. But as you eat the roasted goose, your little sport insists. Hey, Dad, did you know America is racist? Your mind goes numb, your skin turns pale, and your heart aches with fear. Your child is being filled with lies, the babe you once held dear. But in that shocking moment, a man pops into frame. Could it be George Washington, here to save your child's brain? He snatched the screen and changed the thing, the something that is true. It's an app with shows for kids. They call it PragerU. There's content for your child's mind to fight the leftist lies. And if you give your child a chance to watch and think and grow, they might burst forth like Washington, a true American hero. Think better, live better. Visit PragerUKids.com for free kids shows, cartoons, and books that teach classic American values. <laughs> Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Cheeseburger in Babylon. On today's episode, we have Ryan Ray, who's the chairman of the Leon County Democratic Executive Committee. He is a uh, four-time returning guest, so he's uh, he's on the top of the leaderboard there for the podcast. But he's also a New College alum, and that's what he's going to be here to talk about today. Uh, if you haven't heard... Yeah, there's been a right-wing takeover of the new college board of trustees, which hopes to determine the uh, the makeup of the school. Um, it can elect its president, it can decide its curriculum, it can negotiate with professors. And they've made it pretty clear that they're going to try and turn new college into basically a, a Christian conservative school. Uh whether that's possible or not, we're going to talk about on the episode, and we'll talk about the general state of liberal arts colleges. So stay tuned and uh, forgive us for some of the audio difficulties. I promise we will get good at this one day. All right, so Ryan, you got good news. What's going on? Well, I guess it is good news. Uh, given the results in November, uh, the chair of the Florida Democratic Party, Manny Diaz, just announced hours ago that he's resigning. And uh, what was wrong with Manny Diaz? Well, um, Manny Diaz's chairmanship was um, not very effective at the ballot box in November. That was the biggest point of view had historic losses, um, one of the worst top of the ticket margins of any that's ever happened in a major state before losing um, the governor's race to Ron DeSantis by 19 points at near historic lows uh, or very, very low, close to historic lows in both legislative chambers and uh, just kind of a bloodbath up and down the state. So that was what was wrong with him for the most part. And who might replace Manny Diaz as the chair of the Florida Democratic Party? Well, there is some talk that Tallahassee City Commissioner Jeremy Matlow, your boy, my 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 dear friend, my our beautiful boy, Commissioner Matlow, and I got to tell you, I've got to be honest with you, I think he would do a great job. Um, how would you guys fix it? What would you guys do? Well, we would start by 
not doing what's been done for the last long while, which is basically keep the lights on with special interest money uh, and donor class money that stops the party from having a cohesive message that can actually win um, and to have uh, professional eyes full time on building out field capacity around, around, around the state, which is chronically neglected because it's not the most profitable for consultants activity to be doing in the party. But we would make that a main focus, um, which has again been, you know, criminally uh, malfeasance and and the neglect that that's that's occurred there. Um, I think those would be. We would start by by doing this the the clear things that work that have been neglected by recent administrations. More more importantly, though, um, what position are you going to give me and Chris? Oh, geez, oh man, uh, we'll we'll have to talk about it. Can I be some sort of czar? Chris, if you could have any position in the Florida Democratic Party, what would it be? Um, it's a great question. I mean, can you let us into those secret bars and speakeasies all you guys get to go to? Yeah, I think that this kind of thing is how it's usually those roles have been picked anyway in the past. So, Just your your favorite podcast hosts? Either, I, yeah. That strikes me as right. That strikes yeah. me as right. Yeah, can we get a subsidy? <laughs> Is it, is it too much to apply for a PPP? Can I get with that, that sweet PPP money? Can you bring that back? Uh, the biggest sucker money in, in the whole place is at that state capital, man. You can get it for anything if you're the right kind of person. Um, well, I, I'm I'm rooting for you, man. I hope you guys get picked. Who, who your, who's your competition? Thank you. Right now, it's not clear. Um, state Senator Annette Tadeo, who's been a party chair locally in the past, she um it has thought about it as well um there are a couple of people that are are rumored um but you know i i i might be biased but i think that commissioner mallow is the best and i think that he would bring something different and original and useful uh to a chairmanship a different person look we can't do any worse than we did using the same old ways so i think that right yeah we hit rock bottom or i, I don't want to say we but you know the the opposition party to the republicans hit rock bottom seems that way yeah well we're also today here to talk about something else that uh is near and dear or was near and dear to your heart and that is the news about the new college hostile takeover um what's happening there yeah the tiny liberal arts college in sarasota florida called new college of florida what years did you go there by the way i attended uh i started 07 Mm-hmm. 07. Me too. Uh, I started 07. Okay, that's crazy. Um, so, so New College of Florida, a, very, a small, weird institution that you actually, and for full disclosure, you also uh, have a, a close personal relationship to New College. When I was there, it was about 850 kids. It's really small. It's like insanely small. And um, yeah, it, it's recently, uh, it sort of had been courting disaster for a long time. Lots of right-wing Republican policymakers have have threatened to collapse it or defund it or mess with it. And this time it has become the full, fully, the full force of uh, a Ron DeSantis culture war is aimed directly, directly at it with a hostile takeover of the board of trustees and, and all that. Yeah. It's uh, if, if you don't, if you haven't already look at pictures of pre COVID Randy fine. Um, he is a specimen. I mean, handsome handsome man um yeah it's it seems like it's the death of new college i mean i don't want to be 
too negative outright, but I'm trying to play it out in my head what how this could possibly work out or what the future holds for new college. But uh, to fill in some of the blanks here for the listeners who don't know exactly what's going on, uh, there are 17 uh, board members uh, at, at new college. There's like the board of trustees. There's the board of I'm already losing it. Board of Governors, right? That's what it's called. And I think there's like a three or four others that are just kind of elected within the, the college itself. So you have a total of 17 uh, board members who basically choose the direction of the college. They do the hiring of the president. They kind of dictate what direction the curriculum is going in. Uh, hire and fire administrators, you know, they're, they're pretty... They seem pretty involved in it. And what Ron DeSantis has done is he's elected, he's, he's handpicked six new board of trustees members who are extremely right wing. Um, and we're talking, you know, head of the culture war folk. Can we and, go sorry, through who those, uh, who those members are, like what, uh, who those members are and sort of what they represent? Yes. So... There are six new ones. Uh, most of them are not from Florida. Uh, you have one former uh, new college alum named Deborah Jenks, and I believe she's like a, a corporate lawyer. Mm-hmm. My understanding that you've told me this rule, they had to have one person who actually went. Yes, they had to have one. And she doesn't seem particularly, uh, she seems like she's probably pretty favorable to uh, Republicans and Ron DeSantis. Ryan, you were saying that um, it's almost a requirement to have exclusively donated or 90% donated to Republican efforts if you want to make it. Typically, these state appointments strongly correlate with having donated specifically to to Republicans. And I think that's gotten even more severe in recent years. It's always been that way. You generally have these are plush uh, appointments that you give to favored people that your your folks locally. Um, But I think in the last few years, generally, it's kind of agreed upon um, that that it's gotten even more heightened with the uh, with um you know kind of streamlining the hardcore supporters onto these advisory boards um and obviously in this case it seems to have been um you know governor DeSantis in his um his swearing in speech the other day um highlighted this and you know where woke goes to die and especially targeting academic freedom and the sort of liberal uh, college campus culture so you know he wants to target it and he's he's um given it the uh, He's, he's set his lasers upon it. No, yeah, no. It, it's been pretty surprised. I mean, I think everyone was a little taken aback because of just how small New College is, that they would focus their efforts, that they would aim their culture war laser gun at uh, the Honors College here. Because like you were saying, 800 kids or so attend New College. That's infinitesimal, right? Well, I'm curious. It's like, a, it's like a, a rounding error of the state budget also. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what well, you saying, like Chris? Culture truth. I mean, I know the president, she gave a statement that she was sort of going to coexist and looking forward to like working with these new board members. What about the other half of the board? Is there any chance that there'll be a cultural truce as opposed to a cultural war? Because it can strike well, the, a balance, maybe. So you have six 
uh, board of trustees, six board of governors who are also appointed, or seven board of governors who are also appointed by the governor. So if they don't comport, they will be gone anyway. So I, I think you're going to have like a super majority uh, of, of conservatives, um, maybe not tomorrow, because these, I'll, 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 we'll go through who they are. Um, these board of trustees uh, will be elected after the next legislative session. Uh, and I, I can, I, I mean, I, we can assume that they're going to be fast tracked just because of the trifecta conservative um, power on. Uh, in yeah, they have to be confirmed by the state Senate. Yeah. And I don't see that not happening. You know, some people have either. said we should call our state representatives. And it's just like, hold your breath, man. It's really, it, we can talk about like tactics too in a second, but um so Deborah Jenks, uh, the new college alum and corporate attorney, uh, another local guy named Jason Eddie Spire Spear. He's the founder of Inspiration Academy, which is a private Christian sports school up in Bradenton. And I was trying to find out some more stuff about this Inspiration Academy. First of all, Inspiration Academy, when you like Google that or when you put it into Twitter, you just get a bunch of like Indian guys trying to tell you like how, you know, like positive mental attitude stuff is really strange. Um, but, it seems like a good fit so far. Yeah. Uh, I'd be happier with those uh, Indian inspo guys, you know, running new college, but inspiration Academy just, I saw that in their most recent, uh, I think the, the most recent data they had out there, 21 graduating seniors. Oof. That's it. So they're a very uh, small school and their website is just like littered with, you know, ill-placed Bible proverbs like throughout the website. So heavy Christian stuff. All of these people are in one form or another, maybe not Deborah Jenks, but they're all Christian fundamentalists, it, it seems. Um, Mark Bauerlin, who uh, wrote a book uh, called like this, like this dumbest generation, <laughs> Uh, he's, he's written two books. One's called The Dumbest Generation. And the one's like The Dumbest Generation Grows Up and Now They're Dangerous. From like dumb to dangerous or something like that. So he's just like some anti-Zoomer guy who works for Reason Magazine. Um, the worst. Uh, Matthew Spaulding, who is a professor uh, at Hillsdale College, which is a conservative Christian college in Michigan. And what's funny about that is the way that it's been proposed is they're like, we want to make New College the Hillsdale of the South. Right. And H Hillsdale uh, lauds itself as some sort of classical liberal education, which is a funny word that a lot of uh, conservatives like to use now. Like, I, like it's, a, it's definitely a like dog whistle to call yourself like a classical liberal. Like they're trying to take the word back or something like that. Oh, totally. So it's just like a lot of Eurocentric pro-West stuff, you know, teaching about like they, they're going to teach kids Latin, which is like, all right, you know, like, yeah, knock yourself out. <laughs> like I, I would, I would never tell anybody like I, I'll, I'll say uh, majoring in anthropology is makes more sense than majoring in Latin, like way more useful. Well, what a useless major that would be if you're trying to be like some sort of uh, rational conservative kind of guy. There are always but some the, cool the classics. Kids are always cool at New College, as I recall. I no no classic kids are great. I I love the classics. I love the humanities. But you know, it's 
I, I don't think it's the same way we would think of it. But the two people who I think are the most interesting, um, the first is Charles Kessler. And he is a professor, but he is most heavily associated with the uh, Claremont Institute. And we'll get into those guys later. And also Christopher. Big fan of their Ruffo. journal. What's that? Big fan of their journal. Yeah. Uh, Christopher Rufo is, I think, the most interesting character of the bunch. Probably the most well-known. Yes. Christopher Rufo uh, is basically a one-man think tank at this point. Uh, he is a hyper culture war conservative who kind of put he, he was the guy who put forth the conservative uh attack on uh critical race theory and he's been big in like the gender stuff uh like total transphobe um he he's the guy who's like trying to get the bills to you know ban uh trans women in sports through He's helped DeSantis with like the don't say gay bill. He, he's kind of been DeSantis's, uh, you know, Rasputin in a way. And that he's being appointed to the board of trustees is kind of a big deal. Like he is kind of a big deal in that regard. And so these two guys I wanted to concentrate on Kessler and Rufo because of who they are attached to. But let's talk about what they're going to do here. Um, Chris, did you see anything? They said that Rufo what... says that he's over the wall now. The, the one that uh, the both the journalist and him have both focused on a theme of slaying siege. Mm -hmm. Like it's like you know very much this like they're and he's even said they're they're over the wall now. They've got you know in them they've got themselves installed in the bastion, and they're they're like you know they're really ready to to dig in and tear into it. Uh, using it's, a medieval a metaphor city. makes sense. I I yeah, uh, yeah they would do that. I mean, what I'm curious about is I know they want to dismantle sort of the diversity, you know, uh, sort of components of the school, and they want to sort of affect the curriculum and the teachers. But I mean, this isn't going to happen overnight. And I imagine this isn't going to happen without a fight. I mean, this is, this is an uphill battle for them, I, I would assume. I mean, That's there's a great alumni, point. there's students, there's isn't I mean, there's a range, there's a wide range. There's a wide range of opinion, and we can talk about it, guys. Like, uh, I don't know what you've heard. I've talked to like half a dozen alums or so. A lot of people are getting all involved late, lately, and like, there's a wide range of opinions. Some people think that they'll be, you know, they'll be getting meshed in this jungle and have no way through it, and that they'll have it's so hardy and resilient and so much itself that they're not going to be able to take over. People say their limitations on the board of trustees power. And after five years, like they can't change that much in their collective bargaining agreements and different lines of, um, of, of continuity that are kind of hard to disrupt. Other people say, oh, it's the party is over. I mean, it's just complete new college is gone. So I don't know. I, I don't know. I think it's honestly, it's indeterminate yet. It's like yet to be written and we'll see. I mean, I right. tend to agree with Isaac's view that the, the Senate confirmation pretty much a fait accompli and that's going to happen. So then what they're, what they're able to do when they get down to Sarasota, I, I really, I really don't know. I, I try, I, I wouldn't be optimistic, but who knows? Well, what I've seen honestly, that they've, they've said, that, you get more power. I mean, at some point you'll be able to influence government to make some more uh liberal arts colleges right oh, i no, mean that's that's all that's all that's all you guys i would defer <laughs> to you guys some of the statements they've put out there um they said they're going to dispense with the terms diversity equity and inclusion and replace them with equality merit and color blindness last mm -hmm. one i got a kick out of that you know we're colorblind is like 
a term from the 90s like who still uses that it's so strange that's like a um, thomas soul yeah kind of throwback yeah, yeah. Oh, and and you know we're going to get into this this weird web of conservative thinkers and think tanks that are all kind of circling around this and around ron DeSantis, and it gets weird 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 with these guys yeah. um i remember i miss the days when they were just like more stem just more stem you know no one does that anymore yeah i mean that's a really good point we are the united states we are not going to have enough scientists to replace the scientists that are dying off right now i mean we are we're always talking about bringing manufacturing back to this country it's like well we have nobody to you know oversee or, or do the math for the manufacturing itself and new college has a really really great stem program too so i i, I do wonder to what degree that's going to suffer yeah. as a result of this um their masters in data analytics very good as well I, I don't know about your experience, Ryan, but um, a ton of the uh, kids in STEM that I, the school I went to, I went to Reed College, which is kind of like uh, the uh, a new a version of New College, but in Portland, Oregon, and private versus uh, public, which uh, New College is. But a lot of the kids who were in STEM at Reed went on to like transition. Like it's like a, a wild number of kids became trans, and so I do wonder. If, uh, you know, it STEM kind of a STEM definitely attracts like some weird type of people. And if you're going to, you know, scare them away from attending uh, a place like New College, that seems like it's it's uh, it's pretty silly. And New College, I think, gets to brag about having one of the highest Ph.D. Uh, production ratios of, of students. So, you know, it, it I, I predict a sort of brain drain as a result of this. Like, like smart kids just are probably not going to want to go to new college because it already kind of sucks. Like, I don't know what your experience was like at new college, but there's nothing to fucking do. Like you're, it's just sort of not exciting. Yeah. You have to be really into the really crazy subculture that dominates there, which is a whole, the whole thing, but you're right. right. It's small. It's, it, it is, a, it is a tiny, it is a tiny little thing. I mean, I, I loved it there. It's a very special place. Um, I think that a lot, a lot of people have noted it is like a professor factory, like you're saying. I mean, it's crazy. And a lot of people have taken the social media, say, like, I went to New College and I went to this elite school and my education at New College was more rigorous and all that. And, um, you know, academia, as we've talked about before, in general is changing. Um and I think that this move is, you know, it has the specific character of kind of a Ron DeSantis for president culture war. Plus, it's like classic. It's a very Florida, contemporary Florida story because it's that, which is a big thing. Plus, it's like a general new aggressive phase of just dumbing everything down, dumbing down education in general, you know, kind of like getting rid of all the interesting texture and culture um of life in general um i mean as fascism is right it's it's dumb and simple by its nature um and just pruning off a cool good thing um using this like violent state power to do it just seems um it seems so perfect but yeah i mean the 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 florida has always been like the laboratory of these right-wing policies when it comes to privatization and the, the the total overgrowth of charter for-profit schooling taking over a majority at this point of the funds <laughs> florida's education system and pico dollars like um you know for building schools kind of dollars it's crazy um so it makes sense in many ways that you know in a weird way it's a miracle that new college lasted this long uh relatively unmolested <laughs> It was was it, it was private initially, I think, in its uh, original inception. It was founded by radical, um, you know, it was it was it was funded by it was founded by like sort of like liberal congregationalists. 
Um, and it had a sister that's still private called Hampshire College in Massachusetts. And same the same kind of system. And yeah, it it was its own thing. And then it was private and it was really tiny, like probably like Hillsdale or whatever. This other it's really small, like incredibly small. Um, and then it got a little bigger. It struggled in the 70s during the bad economy and almost died. It became public and it became part of USF. And then it became part of USF. It became the Honors College of USF, rolled into it. And then it went independent somewhere where like around like 2001 or 2002 as a public state university system school that was independent. Mm -hmm. uh, and now it um, now it's going to be uh, the Hillsdale of the South. No, I'm curious. I know there were issues earlier in the, the, the mid 2000s, 2010s or so, where they were having issues like insolvency. Is that true? And FSC was trying to acquire them because they were having issues with with the with, with the insolvency of the school. FSU or USF? No, no, new college. Oh no, no, I'm saying it was FSU was trying to acquire a new college. Yeah, is that true? Yeah. Uh, oh, I don't know. There's been a million things that have been sure. that have been rumored over the years. I mean, it is one of those things. It's just such a small, you know. It's interesting in some ways. It, it does well in rankings and it produces a lot of Fulbright scholars, and so it's kind of seen as this small kind of value add thing that's too fault too small to really bother with. But at this point, I think that Republican lawmakers. Are, are have just such a dead horse of they've done every single thing that there is to do you know that they would like to do like they've cut every tax away they've done everything and they've deregulated every industry to bear nothing so it's like uh new college is finally their turn for us to fuck with that well it makes me think like they'll i mean in doing this they're failing the students i mean the school is productive in that it it's educating its students the students seem to be getting a, re a good return on their investment um you know, sort of whether or not you like the ideology of the school, adding more ideology or making a right wing ideology isn't going to benefit the students. You know, um, I imagine oh, enrollment's okay. not, you know, like I imagine enrollment's not going to increase simply because it becomes the Hillsdale of the South. No, I think I mean, no, of course not. It'll be ruined. Well, you know, who who knows uh, in regards to what it will do to enrollment. I think it'll probably make it less rigorous to get in there. Not that it was, I think, I think it's actually harder to get in the UF than New College at this point. Um, mostly because... It's more of a self-selected you know, group. Yeah, you know, you, you go to New College for knowledge's sake. You know, you don't go, you don't go to New College expecting to either, you know, party too hard. There are parties, but not like frat parties, uh, not that kind of nerds. culture. It's a bunch of nerds. They'll be great yeah. in the new incarnation. And, but ner ner nerds are into, you know, sex and drugs in a a surprising amount. I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it, it remains to be seen what it'll do to enrollment. Maybe it'll become a cultural touchstone for like young conservatives, which, you know, Zoomers are becoming pretty reactionary. So who knows exactly um, about that? Um. Uh as new college goes, so goes the Zoomers. Yeah, well, I was talking to a new college student. I've been talking, so I've been talking to a couple of new college students, current uh, new college students, and I also got access to uh, some forum chat. Um, and classic. The response has been one of the one of the new college students I, I spoke to said that um, he said something like thirty to forty percent of the student body is conservative. Which I it was like, whoa, yeah, it's just a lot. It. The chestnut about New College is that everybody always says that it was cooler four years ago and everybody is always right. Yeah. I think that we're just finally getting peak terminal velocity, <laughs> velocity of uncoolness four years from now. Well, 
and and that's the thing too about I, man whenever i hear stuff out of colleges uh, i'm just i'm like damn i'm so glad i went when i did because it we really missed like peak sjw woke nonsense out of uh colleges and you know I, I'm not one of those people, I'm not a, a conservative by any means, but it's not that there isn't legitimate criticism of liberal arts academic institutions. They kind of suck. They're kind of bad now. And uh, I've, I've heard this from a lot of professors too. There's a, a new college professor who I like to hang out with. He was telling me that it's awful there now and that there are more administrators than there are professors. And in order to do anything, make any decisions, he has to talk to uh, an, an administrator and then talk to his two underlings who seem to make more money than the professors themselves. So oh, well, the it, problems of that, yeah, that's, I mean, that's just on campus for especially aggressively the last 10 years, but the last 20 years, I mean, that's happening everywhere. And I'm sure no, New College is no exception. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, a New College, Reed, they've all become corporate institutions. And with corporate institutions, you need lots of manager ma managers, right? So this whole man managerial class has uh, taken over the function of academia and turned it into, you know, a, a credentialization system where it's just like, can you pay? Well, I can mean, you post, afford, can you afford this? Because you can't COVID, fail school anymore. I mean, post-COVID, many liberal arts, small schools, they, they closed. A lot of them closed throughout the country. And it's, it's really a miracle that New College is still standing post, you know, post-pandemic. I mean, yeah. I, I, yeah, I don't know the finance. I, I don't know. How the, it, it did seem silly to go to school on the computer because the point of <laughs> going to school is to be around people. The entire you know, program was on the computer. Yeah. No, I mean, did you do you did you make any friends, Chris? And you you just, you just I, got a master's degree, right, Chris? Yeah, I didn't set foot on campus until my last two weeks of school. I had to get pick pick up my tickets. I'd never been on UCF <laughs> campus. Ever. And did you, and did you still have to pay full price? Uh, actually, you get a five hundred dollar waiver because every semester because you're a remote student. Ooh, five hundred dollars! <laughs> I know, right? Uh, yeah, and then what's wow. funny? I think I had to. They had me pay for like gym fees, like using the gym or like the lunchroom. I I could be wrong, but wow. like I those facilities were open to me. And I never use them. I, I don't even have a student ID. I, I, I don't even have a, you know. Uh, but yeah, it is a bit, it is kind of silly. And um, now everyone, everyone, no one wants to work in person anymore in major cities. And I imagine a lot of students, you know, if they had the option to work from home and play Fortnite, they would. But you're right. School is, I think one of the greatest things about school is that's the largest cohort group you'll ever be in in, in your you know, in your existence. It's um, very world building. You you get to kind yeah. of create the world you want to see. And when doing that online is just stupid. I'm, I'm so I like, I, I'm not in like, I don't know. I don't play Minecraft or whatever. So I don't know much about <laughs> online world building. But one of the funny things about this, the, the forum, I, I the, the forum chain, I was, I was uh, shown um, about Christopher Rufo and, and this hostile takeover was that they're like, oh my God, people are gonna like we, they can screenshot and show what you're saying. What you're saying isn't safe on this uh, email chain, right? And it's like, well, duh. 
like, why don't you guys meet up? <laughs> why, why are you doing this? What, what's the point of being in college if you're not going to be in the same room as like-minded people? And that was another criticism I heard from a professor that I had at Reed College. You know, one of the things you have to do at Reed uh, is you have a seminar course your junior year. And those seminar courses can be up to three hours long. And so for three hours, you're in a room. Ideally, your class is usually like 20 people, maybe even less. And so you're sitting in a room for three hours. And my, my old professor was saying, um, nobody will talk. Just nobody will say a goddamn word. And it's just like, what's the point of you guys being here if you're not going to talk? And so I, I think there has been a, a, a culture of suppression of thought in these liberal arts institutions um, over the past 10 years or so. Yeah. And so when, 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 when conservatives criticize these institutions for these woke ideologies, they're not completely wrong about it. Of course, they just want to replace it with their own version of like a woke ideology or anti-woke ideology. Woke and anti-woke are funded by the exact same people. And I want to get into that. That's the same coin. It really is. So uh, we'll get back into the school stuff, but I want to talk about Kessler and Rufo again. Yeah. Um, and the new Kessler, of trustee members. Yes. These two new who are both, I believe, uh, creationists. I think the majority now of the board of trustees are creationists. So that's pretty funny stuff. Um, but let's get into the Claremont Institute. The Claremont Institute is a conservative think tank that's been around for a minute now. And they have all of these fellows, just like the worst people you can imagine who are, you know, just proposing the, the most extreme ends of the culture war. Uh, they're obsessed with trans people, just absolutely obsessed with trans people. Um, and there's this, they, they seem to have their hands in a little bit of everything too. So beyond just, you know, talking about your typical like gender politics or whatever, um, they also are starting to spread themselves out in different, in weird ways. Uh, what's happening right now in Brazil has actually connections to the Claremont Institute. There's this guy named Matthew Tiermond, who's an idiot. Uh, and he was, for the past couple of years, hanging out in Brazil post-January uh, 6th. And he was using the exact same sort of language and ideas uh, that the January 6ers used to encourage Brazilians to, you know, have a, a, a stupid version of January 6th. Can you imagine somehow having a more stupid version of January 6th? They figured it out. Yeah, They really did. They made a stupider version of January 6th. It's really amazing stuff. Um, but this guy, Matthew Tierman, was using his data and information saying that, oh, the, I, have, I have proof that the election was rigged and then it's a fraud. And he uh, he was on Steve Bannon's War Room a bunch. Now, Matthew Tierman has a weird connection to Sarasota that I found out recently, which is that he produced uh, Breitbart movies. And one of the Breitbart movies he produced was called uh, like the Clinton Clinton Cash. Now, that movie was also Clinton produced. Cash. Yeah, I've seen some of that. That movie was also produced by a Sarasota local by the name of Andy Bottolato. Andy Bottolato would be indicted alongside Steve Bannon 
and uh, this Colfage guy for the We Build the Wall scandal. So there, these these conservative think tanks become incredibly incestuous. Like their tentacles reach out, but then end up just like jerking each other off the whole time. Like they're they're not that you. They seem very redundant in a way. Like they're all doing the exact same thing, mm-hmm. uh, and that brings us to. Christopher Rufo, Christopher fucking Rufo. This guy is a spook. And I know I'm a broken record because I always call everybody fucking CIA. But this guy, Christopher Rufo, got his start through the Manhattan Institute. Anything with the name Institute on it, immediately distrust. You know, I think that's a, 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 a cheeseburger in Babylon uh, rule of thumb. Is that a tenant? Is that an axiom? any yeah uh tenant axiom enterprise uh, you know except for the car enterprise car company is pretty good i don't want to lose them as a potential sponsor they're fine weren't they like institute... sending people to, to jail recently <laughs> who, who was enterprise the, the, yeah uh... they were saying their cars were stolen. i think it was enterprise they were saying their cars were stolen and uh, people were being sent to jail when they actually were renting them Don't be wrong. Yeah, they'll pick you up they'll pick you up though <laughs> <laughs> yeah it didn't, didn't they have the commercials where they were like picked up in like a wrapped car like the car was yeah it was like wrapped had a had a bow on it that always seemed like a bad commercial to me it's just like that's dangerous why would you encourage someone to do that i know the, the, car, the, car. the enterprise car and the wraps running down the the running down the highway is burned into my seared into my <laughs> that and like zoom zoom the mazda miata commercial those two zoom, taking zoom. them out of my brain um so Rufo and uh, the Manhattan Institute. Yeah. Manhattan Institute was founded in 1978 by William Casey. We're talking the William Casey, who was a big, he was in the OSS, uh, which was like the precursor to the CIA and during World War II, uh, went on to work for Wall Street for a couple of decades, which is also just like the most CIA thing you could possibly do. CIA agents, if people don't know this already, are not like badass secret agents. They're Wall Street dudes. They're they're financiers. They're just money guys. That's all they are. Uh, now, when he founded uh, the Manhattan Institute in 1978, uh, he would very shortly thereafter uh, join the Reagan campaign and become the director of the CIA during the Reagan administration. So this guy just had his hands all up in Iran Contra. And in fact, I learned recently that when he died of a brain tumor, uh, he was a practicing Catholic, William Casey, a New York Bishop, when he was reading his eulogy, castigated him for his involvement in Iran Contra. And I want to, I I just pray to God there's footage of this. Can you imagine at your funeral, a bishop goes up and says, this is a bad man. <laughs> this is a very bad man. That guy rocks. I love him. Big um, oof. Big oof. Yeah. Uh, shout, out, shout out to that um, priest, though. So the Manhattan Institute has produced some of the greatest names in all of uh, conservative thought. David Frum, the uh, Bush speechwriter who came up with the term axis of evil, who has since turned a... Uh, never trump republican so super trustworthy guy also now a 
a uh, he's he's slowly creeping towards support for Ron DeSantis. So look out for that. Dude, that's like that's like the the National Review crowd. That's that yeah. one. Yeah, yeah and th these guys are in the Manhattan Institute. When you look at like Twitter profiles of anyone who has like Claremont Institute fellow or Manhattan Institute fellow or whatever, it's also they're all National Review writers. They're it's all associated like, yeah, with the oh, National yeah. Review. All the like the paleocon thing. Mm -hmm. They keep getting pushed. They were never Trump, and they got. Like that, whatever the thing is, they get there just more slowly, but they're, you know, they always go eventually. Well, they're like, they have to have these airs of like pseudo intellectual nonsense. Jordan Peterson. That's what I have to have institutes for. Exactly. Exactly. That's the institute part. I don't think tr Donald Trump ever belonged to any institute. So, you know. <laughs> he wasn't like a Trump white there. paper. He wasn't like that kind of dork uh, sweater vest Republican. He was like, he was on another tip. I miss him. Um, Jordan Peterson was a Manhattan Institute fellow. Barry right. Weiss, just like those stupidest people. A murderous row. Yeah, it really is like, you know, being associated with this should be absolutely toxic. But so know, who's the they... biggest enemy in regards to the whole new college issue? Um, like, is there anyone they these guys this, um, this cavalcade of folks you just mentioned should look out for other than new college students with uh you know, construction paper signs. Hannah Nicole Jones, is that her name? The nineteen the sixteen nineteen lady. Uh the sixteen nineteen was the this project. I'm pre I'm quite sure her name was Hannah Nicole yeah, the six, Jones. The sixteen nineteen yeah. um, out of uh the New York Times thing, right? Yeah. Um Nicole Hannah Jones. I got it backwards. I actually like uh have some brief association with her. I played on the ProPublica softball team with her husband because um, she didn't play. Oh, yeah. she, she used to work for ProPublica and I was brought on as a ringer uh, for the ProPublica softball team. So Stringer we could finally beat player. Forbes. Nice. But, and um, he was terrified of her. It was very funny. He and I had like made several dates to play basketball together and he'd be like, can't do it, make it, man. Sorry, can't do it. <laughs> um, but she's a, a big villain in their mind because the 1619 project, which I'm not a fan of either. I think that it was a bad piece of history. Um, and, and a lot of historians agree that it wasn't particularly academic or rigorous, but it, it reframed the uh, history of the United States as not just racist, but like congenitally racist and that there was no hope. And that the United States would forever be a, a racist country. It was founded under racist ideas and has continued to just thrive on uh, racist um, uh, thought ever since then. <laughs> just like it's, fuel, it's fueled by racism. I, I, I think that the, it's wrong in that um, as, as someone who believes that uh, history is a, a consequence of material conditions that it is not something that is um, congenitally racist. I don't believe that there is such a thing as being congenitally racist. I think that it's all... Um, I mean, but it's a component that is sort of just in the DNA of the United States. I mean, you know, they want to get, a ri get rid of critical race theory. There's, there's a lot of reasons why they want to do that, but the component of that is, you know, uh, you know racism, you know? Yeah, I mean, racism, m most certainly, but uh, I think that... I think that people like Hannah Nicole Jones and the whole Ibrahim Kendi sort of uh, what was her name Robin D'Angelo like 
uh, white fragility lady. White fragility. I mean, yeah, like, I don't know about her, but but they're all know, kind of associated. They're all they're all kind of associated. They're all part of um, that wave of thinking that conservatives get to rail against, and the whole critical race theory thing is is total nonsense across the board. Um, you know, it's not being taught in to kindergartners like Christopher Rufo got a lot of conservatives to believe. And what's funny about it as well is that um, these, it, it didn't really do them very well in the 2022 midterms. The, the kind of like gender spooky scare, the Matt Walsh's, the Christopher Rufo's, like besides Florida, it kind of resoundingly bombed everywhere else. And that's why Republicans did so poorly uh, in those recent midterms. And so it, it, in a way, they're just like mashing these buttons as hard as they can in Florida just to see uh, uh, what else gets out of here. Um, so it'll be kind of interesting to see uh, what happens there. But more importantly, I, I think that when we were saying like two sides of the same coin, it's really interesting to see who funds these organizations. Uh, the Claremont Institute and the Manhattan Institute have big financial backers you know some famous names we'll know like the Koch brothers or Koch what do they call Koch, Koch, yeah, the Koch, Koch, brother. Koch brothers they helped Koch the, brothers. they fund they were back when I went to FSU there was a rumor that they were like um sort of manipulating the FSU economics department because everything was free market and mm -hmm. eventually you know the university lied about it. like no they fund us but they don't have any manipulation they don't manipulate their curriculum later on it's found out yeah they were of course, yeah, of of, course they were doing they it do. But nowadays, these conservatives don't even hide it. They just like straight up do it. You know, there's no, they don't even have to lie about it, which is pretty wild. Listen, um, George Soros, if you're listening, we need you to help us with new new college, please. Please, please. Um, yeah. Now that would feed. That would be great for DeSantis's campaign that he's fighting the please, George I'm Soros please, globalist. Please, please. Um, but we'll what's interesting is, is that uh, uh, the same or the same companies moneyed interests that are funding uh the manhattan institute and the claremont institute are also giving money to the blm like you know it, it the ford foundation gave considerable money to both of these 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 movements and these 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 kinds of thinking and that's because they want to play them off of each other and sometimes i feel so Classic programming going on yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's all psyop, right? Um, it's all psyop. It really is. It, it it feels like it, and and that's where sometimes I wonder if <laughs> a lot of like uh, these kinds of gender studies and stuff aren't psyops themselves. I know that's not. I don't know. I, I well, who I forget who said it, but it's like the left is just psyops itself. It's just a yeah, psyop it, against itself. It really does feel like it, and. <laughs> So you know, I don't. I don't want to say things that they're too controversial right now. Um, but <laughs> I appreciate that. I'm, I'm holding off. Um, but yeah, you, you you see this, and and sometimes it feels like what I hope these new college students do. Let's talk about what the, these new college students, what, what recourses they might have. Mm -hmm. And I think that they would play right into Ron DeSantis's and Christopher Rufo's hand if they start making a scene right if they start acting out in ways that make that makes the like, conservatives like it, it makes it tickles them you know it gets their blood going 
Yeah. That would be the exact wrong response. And so this discussion I've heard and the discussion I've read uh, from new college students has been pretty reasonable. I'm actually kind of excited that they're being smart about this. They, they, they're, they're reading it correctly. And one person basically said, uh, wait it out. You know, they're constantly losing, they, they, they lose focus. Conservatives lose focus really, really quickly. I mean, the American public does in general. The news cycles move quick. And so how can you keep New College out of the news? That's why as a, as a journalist, people are asking me to write about this. But I'm like, should I? Should I write about this? Wouldn't I just be like playing into that hand more? And like when you look at a lot of the the promises that DeSantis has made, the culture war promises, the Don't Say Gay bill. I mean, there was the the, the one he did a couple of years ago where it was uh, college students had to fill out uh, platforms um, and, or, or they, they fill out these forms to, to like say what their ideology was. Yeah. Um, like took an inventory of their political opinion. Yeah. Very normal. And, and, and nobody did them. Nobody filled them out. So it didn't really matter. It didn't really come. It didn't come to anything. Nothing happened. And when you look at the Reedy Creek shit, uh, DeSantis was going to like, oh, we're going to get rid of Disney's <laughs> yeah. Vatican like status. That yeah. didn't happen. And in fact, they're like, yeah, we're going to we're going to let you, you know, we'll see what happens. But chances are Disney's just going to go on doing what they always do. So if it might be smart for new college students, to just kind of like my, my, my idea would be that the new college students make it difficult for them. Make Christopher Rufo show up to fucking meetings. He doesn't want to do that. He lives in Washington state. He doesn't want to come to Sarasota and have to deal with a bunch of kids. Make it as droll and unexciting as possible. Like wow. bore the shit out of the guys. Make them hate being make make them hate having to like sit through these meetings. What about some uh you know classroom diplomacy? Like I, I guess if I was a student, this is maybe too sincere of an idea, but if I was a student, I'd be like, you know, Mr. DeSantis, uh board members, I invite you guys to participate in our on-campus activities, come to class, meet the teachers, participate in what we're doing and see the value of what we have at the school. You know, we want to preserve certain elements of the school that make new college, new college. Um, oh, sweet, sweet, Chris. You're I, and, sweet I mean, I, I know we live, and, and, you know, I know politics <laughs> the is the power. I know it's, very the, it's all the, Machiavellian. The I get it. It's all Machiavellian. It's about, you know, it's all zero sum game with these motherfuckers, but mm -hmm. you know, you know, I, I, it's such an ideal way to think, but it's like, you know, change is imminent. Change occurs. Uh, sadly, Mr. DeSantis isn't going to be anyone else but himself. But like, you know, try to find, you know, a middle, you know, working with these. Like the president said something. She's like, I look forward to like working with the new board members. It sounds like some, you know, p you know, easy PR thing to say for the news. Well, they, they can fire her whenever they want. The board sure, she wants to keep her so, job. But, which is smart. I think I think that she shouldn't, sure. you know. Yeah. But like, you know, within any business, you know, managers come and go. Uh, and it's like the people who stay, they have the best ability to maybe enact some change or if anything, whisper into the ears of maybe the despot like new managers that are taking over. Um, if everyone leaves new college and like, fuck this, like it doesn't help new college. Um, I really do hope alumni and, and students, because um, if you fight back, they want you to fight back. Right. And they want to fight. Right. But 
well, they, they know, want spectacle. They want spectacle. Yeah, they want. There's spectacle. a way of fighting that's really, really boring. I mean, that's and that's what you know most politics are. It's just like uh, procedural, like uh, uh, fights, and that's not sexy. And so I, I think you're. I think you're right. We sh- it shouldn't. Don't make it sexy. And I, I do like the idea of killing them with kindness. I, I think that don't don't play into their hand. Don't play into that that fighting mentality that we all have that gets us wrapped up. And distracted from what really matters. So, yeah, I, I I will be very curious to see what course of action they take. My concern is that the media, needing eyes and needing to make things interesting, is going to try and find just the most outlandish characters they possibly can and incite them. So mm-hmm. if any new college students are listening, do not talk to the press. Unless it's me. You can talk to me. But nobody else. Do not talk. They do not have your best interest in mind. They're only going to make you seem silly and try to fan the flames of this conflict. So don't do it. But it's good. You hear it here. Um, there are there are other avenues here. And there was one thing that came out of um, Colorado University or the University of Colorado. And it's from a Claremont Institute guy. His name is John Eastman. He was kind of like the uh, legal intellectual uh, spearhead of the um, the stop the steal stuff. Like he was really pushing um, the, that the, the, the thing was, uh, you know, uh, the election was rigged and whatnot. Anyway, he ended up getting booted from the original school he belonged to, went to um, – the University of Colorado to teach uh, as visiting professor of quote conservative thought and policy, and less than a year later, the University of Colorado canceled his courses due to low enrollment. And I think that's like the best option is like you know vote with your eyes in a way. Like I, I hope that kids continue to participate. It actually might be fun in a way to be a part of a conservative a hyper-conservative liberal arts school and just raise fucking hell. Just, like, be a difficult bit. student. Yeah, like, really think, run with it. I think Matilda, that for the, Matilda. For the <laughs> yeah. parent students, I think that works. But I think I think about new students that are thinking about applying and they're seeing this happening. It's hard for me to imagine cool students, like, wanting to go through with it, you know? Yeah. And then the other alternative is um, that... Uh, they just destroy new college. I mean, they, they don't, yeah. DeSantis conservatives don't want public institutions anymore. And so I feel like a win would be keeping new college alive. Right. Agreed. Even if it's on yeah, life, even if it's on life support, you know, maybe they can wake up from that coma in a few years or down the road when there's some sort of backlash to these, this hyper conservatism. So is there a demand for that kind of college anymore? Probably. Right. Probably. Didn't you say that, um, that uh, admissions and stuff have been down applications yeah the enrollment was down like 43 percent at, at uh, new college and yeah so they, they've been suffering mightily and that's like i i hate talking shit on liberal arts education because that's what i got but you don't need to go to school for a liberal arts education anymore it just like don't especially if you're not going for free like don't go you don't need to go anymore um, what New College needs is a Matilda. DeSantis is the Trunchbull, right? We need a Matilda to come in there, teach all the kids. Reading's important. We need a Miss Honey. I don't know who Miss Honey is. 
She's she's on campus somewhere. Oh, she's got to be she's got to be sneaky hot, super sneaky hot. But no, we need a Matilda. DeSantis is the Trunchbull man. You know he's uh you know he's he's fat. He's you know chubby. <laughs> you know, you know he's yeah. got like a forty two waist for real. You know what I mean? A I would waist. love to get my hands on a pair of his pants and just find out for sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, Ryan, uh, I think we should wrap things up. But is there anything else you want to want to say about your time at New College? What you hope for? Any message to the students that might be listening to this podcast or other alum? I would say to to everybody, stay strong. Um, let's do what we can, and um, and uh, I, I'm hopeful that uh, bureaucratic inertia can can maybe say preserve what's really special about New College. Oh,